Let's go! It's January 27th, a Thursday. Let's do another episode of Edge of Your Seat Podcast. I am pumped up about this one. Talk to Brady Blanco in October. We're finally getting him out. Again, we say this the last couple episodes. Busy, life happened, shows got pushed. We're getting to him. Brady Blanco up next. Such a great kid. Going through some things that none of us will ever understand. His body since pretty much the day he was born has just not liked him, has not liked life. And constantly, constantly going through cycles and having to battle and to fight to stay alive, to keep positive, to be a person. He is officially a role model of mine because of the way that he battles and continues to find any piece of awesomeness, of optimism that he can in life to keep himself going. He's got a crazy story, an amazing story, and I am glad that he shared what he shared with me, with us, on Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Such an uplifting, but real, tragic, struggle, triumph, as all of those adjectives, those pieces of an amazing journey, an adventure, a story, all of it in one. And it's right here. It's on this episode. So huge thanks for coming and chatting with us. Definitely, definitely, definitely appreciate having him on this show. With that said, we have to give a shout out to Brady's mother, Janelle. She battles with him daily. She's right by his side, takes care of him, keeps his head in the game. And you know, it's got to be a struggle sometimes, but she does it. She loves Brady. He loves her and they do it together. And that's another amazing part of the story. It's a beautiful thing. The love of a mother, a son, family in general, the way, you know, we can't help what happens to people. We can't help whether they're sick or they're got a disease or something breaks or, you know, all the things that can happen to us. They're always there. Always. It might not be unicorns and cotton candy and rainbows all the time, but they're there. They battle with us. They fight with us. And that's exactly what Janelle and Brady have. And it was amazing to talk to them. And I can't wait for you guys to hear it all. Brady's story and all the other stories, adventures, tales, journeys, all those amazing things that we've heard through this podcast is brought to you by Shimmer Mendota Ford, a community dealership that is here for you. We have a lot to talk about in this episode before we get to Brady. We have Boys Bowling Sectional was this past Saturday, January 22nd, with the state meet this Saturday, January 29th. We're also going to break down some boys soccer playoffs that happened in the fall, the beginning of October. This is the last one to catch up on playoffs. Have to give everybody their shine. I know it's a couple of months late, but hey, soccer players matter all year long. We're bringing back, bringing it back. Well, we break down, go through albums, listen to them for a little bit that you voted for. Going through the Rolling Stone magazine top 500 list of all time that re-came out in September of 2020. Having a blast doing that. We're still in the 460s. We got a long way to go. We're going to keep those polls coming out and seeing what music we're going to listen to. What we're going to talk about 
and what you're going to learn about because there's a lot of cool things, a song, an album, the artists themselves learning so much about this stuff. And again, we're at 462, I believe, is what the album was that we had on this one. And that was the Flying Burrito Brothers, The Gilded Palace of Sin. Yeah, the Flying Burrito Brothers. The name, way better than the music, but hey, we'll get there. Also, lots of stuff to discuss. Bears, hired a GM, hired a head coach. Bulls, got some injuries. Iowa girls basketball player, tearing it up, breaking records. Chase Sexton, native of Lamoille, he's tearing it up in Supercross, gets his first 450 win of his career this past Saturday. And we have to say some farewells to some of the fallen, some celebrities that mean something to me, and 90%, okay, 100% that you've heard of them. But we have to start with this football we just watched on Saturday and Sunday. OMG. I usually don't say that very much. I leave that for my nieces and nephews to say. But the NFL divisional round of the playoffs was ridiculously awesome. Every single game was worth watching. And I'm glad I took the time, sat down, and watched them. Whew. Whew. Man, I couldn't even get off the couch. They were so intense and dynamic and suspenseful. You wanted to watch every single second. You couldn't miss a snap. I didn't care that I was one for three of my picks. Well, you know, the next day when I was looking at jelly beans that I could have, you know, earned eight, that was kind of disappointing. But watching the games, I really didn't care who won. The Chicago Bears weren't in any of them, so I didn't really have anybody I wanted to win. The only team that I had any feelings for is that I wanted Green Bay Packers to lose, and they did, so I was okay. But when it comes to picks, and if you got jelly beans... You got to be rational. You got to try to be unbiased. So I tried with the Packers, but then my unbiased backfired because then they lost anyway. Ah, It's a no win-win situation, is it? Never. Saturday's games. Cincinnati Bengals at the Tennessee Titans. Tennessee Titans were the top seed in the AFC, so they got the bye and only played one game as the Bengals beat them 19-16. That was my pick. I picked the Bengals. They beat Tennessee. I was happy. I was super, super happy and thinking, man, if the Bengals pulled this off, I'm probably going to be good here. Well, eh, that didn't happen. But the Bengals did get a win. Joe Burrow is amazing. Jamar Chase is amazing. The rookie from LSU who played with Burrow, who's only in his second year. And then T. Higgins, with everybody's attention on Jamar Chase, was wide open and gouged the Tennessee Titans defense time after time after time. But the real MVP of this game, Evan McPherson, the rookie field goal kicker, was on point right down the uprights every single time he kicked, including the game winner of 52 yards. 52-yard field goal, mass pressure, he makes it. He makes it. Bengals advance to the AFC Championship game. Later Saturday night, San Francisco Giants at Green Bay Packers, 10-7 49ers. The lowest scoring game of the weekend, not by much, but you know, low scoring, the most low scoring, interceptions and fumbles and snow and bad calls and 
Jimmy G Garoppolo doing Jimmy G things, which can be good and which can be bad. But it comes down to the foot of Robbie, good as gold, gold. He's a bear. He will always be a Chicago bear. He is wearing the San Francisco 49ers jersey as a Halloween costume that he has extended to January and maybe February. It's a Halloween costume. He's a bear. He's a bear. But anyway, his 45-yard field goal gets San Francisco into the NFC Championship game. So then we go to Sunday's games. And you looked at the lineup. LA Rams at Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Buffalo Bills at Kansas City Chiefs. Great offenses for all four. Defenses, good. LA's probably the best out of the four. Buffalo right behind them. Tampa Bay, KC, probably tied for second or third, however you want to look at it. And man, did these games live up to the Bills. Ha, you like that pun, Buffalo? In the NFC game, the Los Angeles Rams are up. 27-3. Tearing them up. Everybody's like, man, Tampa Bay is not looking good. But everybody was saying, like, hey, there's this guy named Tom Brady that still plays for them, still happens to be their quarterback, and is the GOAT, the best ever. So what does this man do? Does GOAT things. Helps tie the game up 27-27. And don't get me wrong, it wasn't all Tom Brady. LA threw a pick. LA fumbled. Cam Akers giving the ball back, and giving them opportunities to get back in the game. And Tampa Bay took them. They capitalized on every mistake L.A. made. Tied 27-27. End of the game. The Rams got the ball in their territory. I don't remember what the yardage was. Finds Cooper Cup again, who seemed like he caught every single ball thrown, gets all the way down the field to set up for Matt Gay to have a 30-yard field goal. So they drop Gay. Pick up suck up and Gay eliminates Tampa Bay from the playoffs with a 30-yard field goal. And I did bring up Cup. I believe it was the last touchdown of the game for LA. Wide open. Blows past the defense. They're not ready for him. Gets a wide open touchdown. Cooper Cup this year was the best wide receiver in the NFL. How is he wide open in a playoff game that gets you to the NFC championship game? Why is he wide open? That's bad defense on Tampa Bay's part, and that's exactly why they lost the game. But then there's this kicker named Matt Gay, who you dropped, LA picks up, and he puts it in your face and says, hey, you should have kept me. Peace out. Then the last game of the weekend, what a way to cap it off. Buffalo Bills at Kansas City. It was back and forth, touchdown for touchdown, turnover for turnover, great play for great play. Josh Allen looked amazing. Patrick Mahomes looked awesome. Everybody was doing their thing. Two set up in overtime at 36-36. Kansas City wins a toss. They get the ball. And Mahomes does Mahomes things. Scores a touchdown. Finding Travis Kelsey in the corner. He gets it in. Both feet. Grabs the ball. Game over. 42-36 in overtime. Whew. That game had every single... Human being, even if you weren't watching the game, you were still on your feet. You might not have known it was for a football game, but yeah, that's what it was for. Just such a crazy game, crazy ending. Patrick Mahomes is building up a resume that he may already be in the Hall of Fame. 
If they win, that's three straight Super Bowls. They're already hosting their fourth straight AFC Championship game. Nuts. Insane. We can't forget Gabriel Davis, though, wide receiver for the Bills, as they're locking down Diggs and all the other amazing offensive talents that the Bills have. Gabriel Davis slipped through the cracks, scored four touchdowns. First wide receiver to ever do this in a playoff game. That sounds crazy. The list of amazing names, the Randy Mosses, the Michael Irvins, the Chris Carters, the Terrell Owens, the Calvin Johnsons, could go on forever naming elite wide receivers. Jerry Rice? Hello? Gabriel Davis, who most of you probably haven't heard of, is the first person to do it. Crazy. But that's the word that describes this game, so why wouldn't it be crazy? Chiefs, the 42-36 victory. That may have been one of the, I don't know, best, but most exciting football games I've ever seen. And I've watched a lot of football. Edge of Your Seat Podcast is brought to you by Sherman Mendota Ford. Mendota Ford is a community dealership that is dedicated to being community first. A small dealership in a smaller town, the staff of General Manager Ski Hartman and his associates, Jason Hintz and Doug Safranek, pride themselves in being here for you. They want to form a bond, a relationship, to get you every vehicle you want in cars, trucks, and SUVs for your friends and family. Doug Safranek is from Mendota, Basketball Player of the Year in 2003, and is ready to use his knowledge of vehicles to connect with your wishes to get you the vehicle you're searching for. Jason Hintz has been with Shimmer Mendota Ford for six years, giving him the experience needed to help customers in every way possible. You can purchase any vehicle off any lot in the Shimmer family. Ski, Jason, and Doug will make sure they track it down and hand you the keys. To check out the many options on the lot, Mendota Ford is located just south of Mendota on Highway 251. To look ahead or find a vehicle on another lot, check out www.mendotaford.com. Call 815-539-9314 for all vehicle inquiries with Shimmer Mendota Ford. January 22nd on Saturday was the bowling sectionals. Again, it's only one class. We're not broken up in enrollment sizes and stuff like that. So it's the best of the best in every single one of these competitions, whether it's regional, sectional, and then of course, state is always the best of the best. So let's break down the sectionals. LP Jr. Ethan Pico shot a 1389 to advance to state. That's crazy awesome. LP seems to have a bowler in state or at least in sectional every single year. Of course, Nathan Stubler winning the state championship in 2016. I bring up his name just to give you a little hint. He's going to be on a future pod real soon. So congratulations to Ethan. Not easy to do whatsoever. St. Bede senior Trenton Acuntius rolled the 1347 at the sectional to be a potential at-large advancer. So if anything happens or there's a way for him to get in, he put up a good enough score to get to state. At the Hananiga sectional, which is in Rockton, my mother, my aunt, and my uncle all graduated from Hananiga. But that doesn't matter. No bias here at Edge of Your Seat Podcast. The winner of the Hananiga sectional was Harlem, which is in McChesney Park, with a 65-16. Sycamore came in 11th with a 57-15. 
six teams from the sectionals to get in and the top five individual advancers not on an advancing team. The advancing individuals out of the Hananiga sectional were Oregon senior Isaac Coltonbrun with a 1281 and as a potential at-large advancer, Sterling senior Andrew Doty who rolled a 1265. Pico, Coulter Brun, maybe a maybe Doty, will be bowling at the state meet January 28th and 29th at the St. Clair Bowl in O'Fallon. There's no fans allowed on Friday because of COVID-19. And on Saturday, two fans per qualifier. Boys bowling just the start of winter playoffs. Boys wrestling has their regional February 5th. So does girls bowling. Then girls wrestling and boys swimming start February 19th. And then of course, girls basketball and boys basketball kick off February as well. Like I said, we've been breaking down the fall playoffs just a little later than normal than we wanted to as shows got pushed. But boys soccer is the last one. And again, we can talk soccer all year long, including January where it's super cold. I would rather play soccer where it's warm, but I'll think about it and pretend that it's warm. That works for me too. In 1A, the Coal City Regional. In a semifinal, Cole City defeated Mantino 2-1. But in the final, the Colers fell to Grant Park 4-3. In the Stillman Valley Regional. In a quarterfinal, Oregon fell to Stillman Valley 4-3. And Rockford Lutheran took out Byron 1-0. At the Genoa Kingston Regional, in the quarterfinal, Hinkley Big Rock defeated Indian Creek 4-1. But then Hinkley Big Rock ran into Genoa Kingston in the semifinal and fell 10-0. The IVC sectional, which is in Chillicothe, hosted the four winners of four regionals. We had teams in three of them. In the Rock Island Alleman Regional, in a quarterfinal, Riverdale knocked out Princeton 3-2. In the other quarterfinal, Kiwani fell to Alleman 4-3. In semifinal action, Samanak knocked off Alleman 5-0, and Irville got a big win over Riverdale 3-0. That put two of our teams, Samanak and Irville, in the final, Samanak getting the win 3-1. In the Peoria Christian Regional, in the semifinal, Roanoke Benson defeated Illini Bluffs 5-0. Unfortunately, Roanoke Benson ran into Peoria Christian in the final. Peoria Christian got the 1-0 victory. In the Serena Regional, Quarterfinal action, Newark defeated Yorkville Christian 4-0. Depew, huge win over Sandwich 8-1. Setting up semifinal action, Mendota got a win over Newark 3-1. And Serena defeated Depew 2-1. Setting up the final for Mendota to win another regional 5-1. I say another because they've been on a hot streak lately. Setting up for the sectional they were looking for their first sectional championship ever, and they got it done. In the semifinal, they beat Peoria Christian 3-0, and then went on in the sectional championship to defeat Quincy Notre Dame 3-2. Also in semifinal action, Quincy Notre Dame defeated Samanak 4-0. But huge shout out to the Trojans, and another wink wink, hint hint, we got Mendota representatives on a very, very soon future podcast 
talking about this season. In 2A, the Hinsdale South sectional. Four regionals, of course. We had teams in every single one of them. Burlington Central Regional, semifinal. Kalen 2, knocks out Rochelle, who only had one. Wheaton St. Francis Regional, Plano fell out of the playoffs in semifinals with a 10-1 loss to Aurora Marmion Academy. In the Belvedere Regional, Sycamore won a semifinal 7-0 over Belvedere North and then beat Belvedere, just Belvedere, no North attached, in the final 3-2. Then we get to the Hinsdale South sectional semifinal and Sycamore bowed out with a 2-1 loss to Marmion. In the 2A Dunlap sectional, we had teams in three of these regionals. Rock Island Regional featured Geneseo defeating Dixon 6-2 in the semifinal. Then in the final, Geneseo gets a regional championship with a 1-0 victory over Rock Island. The LaSalle Peru Regional in a quarterfinal. The Cavaliers from LaSalle Peru defeat Morris 4-1. Then in the semifinals, Sterling took out the Cavaliers 4-0. And Streeter knocked out Ottawa 4-2. In the LP Regional Championship, Streeter defeated Sterling 1-0 to be crowned champs. At the Dunlap sectional in the semifinal, Washington beat Geneseo 4-0. And in the other semi, Morton knocked out Streeter 5-0. In 3A, the DeKalb Regional, DeKalb defeated Rockford East 1-0 in penalty kicks to win the semifinal, but then fell to Huntley 4-0 in the final. Congrats to all the soccer teams. It was a lot of fun watching, following, tweeting, all the things we do at Edge of Your Seat Podcast with the soccer season. It was a ton of fun, and congrats to everybody that did everything. Before we get to bringing it back, let's have a word with our sponsor, Olsen Construction. Yeah, it's winter, it's cold, can't really work outside on a house, but you can do quite a bit inside. You know, there's stairs, there's tiling, bathroom, bedroom, front room, kitchen, kid room, game room, basement, attic. All kinds of things you can work on, repair, renovate, fix. Olson Construction can do it all. And they're a licensed and insured family-owned and operated company that prides itself in offering family prices with family honesty on any job. Not only do brothers Keith Milas and Tommy Olson have the skills to install, demolish, build, recreate, calculate, formulate, and percolate, it's time for the percolator but they also have the experience of more than 10 years to take care of your home renovations from blueprint to completion with your thoughts, opinions, and wishes taken with every step of the journey. For a free estimate, call Olson Construction at 815-910-5982, check out the Olson Construction LLC page on Facebook, or send an email to olsonconstruction19 at gmail.com. Now it's time to get into bringing it back. Love talking music. Love listening to music I've never heard before. Love finding out stuff about musicians, band names, where they're from, all that good stuff. And that's why we do this. And thank you for helping us by answering the polls, giving me a little heads up of what I should listen to. So this poll, which happened many, 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 could keep adding many's if I wanted to, moons ago, had the Flying Burrito Brothers, I do love the name though, that's pretty, that's pretty awesome. 
462 on the Rolling Stone magazine list of 500 top albums of all time, all time, from the creation of music until September of 2020. That's when they redid their list. It originally started in 2012, then they redid it in 2020. Flying Burrito Brothers 462 with their album, The Gilded Palace of Sin. In this poll, they beat the Isley Brothers, who were 464 at 3 plus 3, which came out in 1973. I wanted that to win, personally. That's what I thought you guys were going to vote for. But you proved me wrong, which you do a lot. 463 was Laura Nairo with Eli the 13th. That came out in 1968. And at 461, I say Bon Iver. I'm pretty sure that's wrong. Boniver, however you say it. For Emma is the album, came out in 2008. So Flying Burrito Brothers got the W thanks to you. And going through this was pretty crazy. The music being from 1968 was 1968-ish. The Righteous Brothers, the Everly Brothers, that kind of vibe, but older, sort of, kind of. Country, they want to call it rock, but I don't believe it's rock. More like folk country, a little bit of gospel, a little bit of blues, all put into one. I guess that's the best way to explain it. But the Flying Burrito Brothers were based out of LA, California. And again, they were labeled country rock. I don't really see the rock in it. I think more country folk. That's my point of view though. But this band was crazy. So they originally formed in 1968. The original members are there until 1972. Then they reform in 1975 to 80, and then reform again 1985 to 2001. And all those gaps in between, and even afterwards, are different members of the groups forming different groups that still have the name Burrito. Whether it's the Burrito Brothers, or the Burritos, or the Brothers of Burrito. Okay, the last one is just me making stuff up. But the other ones really did happen. So many different band names and collabs, and all these other things throughout the years. And they still have the Burrito Brothers going on right now, actually called The Burrito Brothers, that was formed in 2012, and that are going on till now. Whew, that was a lot to get through. Imagine reading that and trying to figure that out. That's a lot of stuff. But it was kind of cool, the interchangeable parts of a band, and wanting to keep the name alive, and the vibe, the kind of music that they did, Alive, like it was cool. Like I get it, makes sense. They had five different names over the years, but we're just gonna talk about the Flying Burrito Brothers. But if they're on the list as another name, then we'll talk about them. But this is just the Flying Burrito Brothers, because who doesn't love brothers that eat burritos and they can fly? Sounds good to me. The founding members of the band started with Graham Parsons and Chris Hillman, who were former members of the Birds. Birds, a very very popular, iconic band in the 1960s. Graham, a piano player, a guitarist, vocalist, Chris, a bassist, rhythm guitar, and vocalist. They were joined by Chris Etheridge, who played the bass and the keyboards, and he was actually a past bandmate of Parsons in a band called the International Submarine Band. Never heard of them, never been in a submarine internationally. The guitarist with Sneaky Pete Klenow. Sneaky Pete, I love it, I love it. The drummer was Eddie Ho, who went by Fast Eddie. 
I like we got Sneaky Pete and Fast Eddie on the same band. All I'm saying is keep your stuff in a vault, locked away, you'd have been alright. The crazy thing is, Hillman is actually the one that fired Parsons when they were with the birds. So, he tossed him out of a band, and then like three months later, Hillman leaves the birds, and decides like, you know what, we should kiss and make up, and form another band called the Flying Burrito Brothers. The reason that Parsons was asked to leave the birds is because he disapproved going to a South African tour with the birds because of political reasons. Hillman said it was for him to stay in England and be buddy-buddy with a guy named Mick Jagger and another guy named Keith Richards that you might know from the Rolling Stones. So Parsons doesn't go, and Hillman is like, you know what, you're just trying to either get in another band or be Mr. Hollywood on us and not be a part of ours. So that's why he left the birds, and then two months later he follows them and they form a band. They must have been on drugs. In 1968, I'm sure they were. So Parsons, Hillman, and Etheridge did the majority of the Gilded Palace of Sin, this album from 1968 that we're going to talk about. Fast Eddie, the drummer, had a substance abuse problem, and he was dismissed after two songs. Then he was replaced by a drummer, then that drummer was replaced, and then he was replaced again, and then they find Michael Clark, who was also from the Birds, and he stayed with the Flying Burrito Brothers until 1971. Are you still with me? I hope so. So, Fast Eddie turned into John Cornell, who turned into Popeye Phillips, who turned into Michael Clark. Four drummers in the matter of two years. Three years. That's a quick turnover rate. I don't even think First State Bank of Mendota can match that one. So, if you didn't realize this, every band member could be replaced. And they were, because in 1970, Hillman fires Parsons again! This time from the Flying Burrito Brothers instead of the Birds. Then, Sneaky Pete leaves. He leaves in 1971. And then the whole band dissolves in 1972. All the original members are split up. Then Hillman gives the corporate ownership, the name, the Flying Burrito Brothers, to Rick Roberts, who was Parsons' replacement. Oh, but we're not done. Nope, nope, it's not possible. Sneaky Pete and Roberts then rejuvenize the band in 1974 because he has the name. And then the shifts continue. 54 different band members in this band from 1968 to 2022 because they are still playing shows to this day. Not any of the original guys, but people that they have passed it on to. 54 band members. I have never heard of that before. And I hope I don't, because that is a lot of people to go through. And if you're going to be a successful band, I don't think it works with that much changeover, turnover. I really don't think it does. As the Flying Burrito Brothers, they came out with eight albums. The other different band names, the Burritos, the Burrito Brothers, the Burritos of Brothers, they came out with nine different albums. So they're attached to 17 different albums through that time span. But the Gilded Palace of Sin was the first. Came out February 6, 1969. 11 songs that lasted 37 minutes and 24 seconds. And even though I hated it, I'm not going to lie, I hated it. Not my type of music, but I'm a 1980s baby. I live in 2022 at the age of 36, listen to a bunch of music, and none of it sounds like this. None of it. But, you know, my sound, my taste might not be yours. But it's folky, it's 
country mixed with some gospel, some soul, some psychedelic rock. And as we continue talking about things that are going on, they were they were on some drugs. That's definitely for sure. First of all, Graham Parsons died in 1973 at the age of 26 from an overdose. He had six shots of tequila, leaves the bar with his friends, and then gets shot up with morphine and does not live. Chris Hillman is the only member that is alive. He is 77 years old. When I say only member, not all 54, just the original five. Sneaky Pete died in 2007 at the age of 72 because of Alzheimer's. Chris Etheridge died in 2012 at the age of 65 because of pancreatic cancer. And Fast Eddie died in 2015 at the age of 71 with unlisted reasons. But the Forest Park, Illinois native died in Westmont, Illinois. So he was right around the corner from us in Illinois. But even though they went through so many different band members, and I really didn't like the music, this album is listed as a very, very important album to rock in the late 60s and the 1970s. In the first Rolling Stone magazine top 500 album of all time list, it was listed at 192. Then when they did it 10 years later, in 2020, it fell to 462. Go through the playlist real quick. I'll give a really, really short definition of what I said. And usually I'll rank the songs, but I'll just tell you my favorite because all of them were not very good to me, but I did like one. So we'll go with that one. Number one was Kristen's tune, just about wicked women, calls them the devil, says, hey, they try to take you apart. Yeah. Two, Sin City, very, very slow country. Talking about an old town that's filled with sin. If you're from northern or central Illinois, you could probably relate to this song. Number three, do right women. Pretty self-explanatory. Saying, hey, do us right. Don't treat all guys like we're dogs because we're really not. Four, dark end of the street. I like the intro. The guitar playing, the piano in the very beginning was pretty cool. I liked it. And it's about like hiding, being invisible, sitting in the dark, end of the street, nobody looking at you, nobody worried about you, just chilling. Number five was My Uncle. I really kind of got lost in this song, to be completely honest with you. It starts with a draft letter, mom and dad getting really sad because you're going to get drafted to war, and then a ukulele plays, and then you get lost, and then you don't know why it's called My Uncle. And you don't know if he's at war or if they're not at war, if they're sitting on the couch reading a book. You don't know what's going on. But the ukulele was cool. Six, Wheels. This definitely had an Everly Brothers feel to it. Thought I was listening to him for a second. But it seems like every artist, every musician known to man has at least one song that is about leaving, taking off, saying sayonara, getting on a flying burrito, and taking off. Well, that's their song. They're dipping off, don't like this about life, they're leaving, going to another location. This was theirs called Wheels. Seven was Juanita. Another song that is like, hey, why are you treating me this way? Why am I nothing to you? That definitely was the topic, the basis of most of these songs in this album. It's like, hey, why are you treating me like this? Eight, Hot Burrito One. Love the name of the song. It's a love song. It's about women. It's a love song. 
Number nine, Hot Burrito number two is also a love song, but the piano in this song is crazy awesome. I believe that is Graham Parsons, but he he snaps. He kills it on the piano, but it's a continuum of Hot Burrito number one, a love song about women. Number 10, do you know how it feels? Self-explanatory, no one cares about you in a certain situation. That's the gist. 11, Hippie Boy. How do you not have a song called Hippie Boy in 1969? Felt like it, you know, it made sense. Organ was cool. It starts with the organ. Organs play the whole way through. And they're talking through most of it, trying to tell a story. Very, very, very 1960s feel. I feel like the movie Forrest Gump should have had some of this in it during those parts like the war and like some, yeah, yeah, definitely Forrest Gump-ish type of song here. So I pretty much said my thoughts on the album already. Not my cup of tea. I guess I can see why it kind of transformed music a little bit or why it's so important. It did make country and rock-ish. Again, what I think of rock is 80s rock, 90s rock, hard rock. Not this. This is not rock to me. More country, more folk, more... Bob Dylan-ish, not rock rock. And maybe you think Bob Dylan is rock. I would still call him folk indie type of deal. Anyway, they tried to blend so many different genres into a certain music that was their sound. And I get it, but I feel like I've heard this sound and maybe not even like since then, like before them even. But if music historians are saying like, hey, this is important and it did some different things, I'll ride with it. I'm not trying to rewrite any wheels, put in different circles, different paths. I just didn't really like it at all. <laughs> really, just not at all. I listened to it twice, usually for these albums on this list. I'll listen to them five, six, seven times just to get the feel, the dynamic, the meaning behind every single song. This one, I listened to it twice and that was it. So that's it. Bringing it back. We'll put up another poll real soon. So we can get another album in here and do it a lot quicker. We're getting these shows out a lot faster than we've been. That's for sure. What's also happening really fast is the weather in Illinois. Driving around rural Illinois can be taxing on the eyes, on boredom, and of course, your vehicle. Dust, bugs, weather elements such as snow and ice take a toll on the beauty and the longevity of your ride. That's just the outside. What about the dirt, the sweat, the smell after you pick up your kid from basketball practice or wrestling? Gets in your car and just makes it stink. and makes your seats stink. Nobody likes that. And what about the salt that's all over the floorboards from you and your daughter going shopping because all the businesses put salt on the lots? And then you get in your car and it's everywhere. And all the little cracks, not just on the mats, it's everywhere. It can all make your car filthy and look dirty and dingy. That's where HC Detailing comes in. Located at 1204 6th Avenue, aka Route 34 in Mendota, HC Detailing and owner Horatio Casas will erase all the weather elements and grime to keep your car looking like it just came off the showroom floor, even in the heart of winter. Maybe you find a way to keep your vehicle clean but you hear a loud, louder, and then the loudest noise ever coming from your muffler. 
Maybe you hear your brakes grinding and it's time for some new pads before it eats away and then the rotors are next. HC detailing doubles as Mendota muffler and brakes. In essence, you can have your car cleaned, detailed and beautified, and have your brakes, mufflers, suspensions, tires fixed or replaced at the same place. That's amazing. So that means call HC Detailing and Mendota Muffler and Brakes at 815-252-9518 or email hch1680 at yahoo.com to get your car beautified, cleaned, fixed, and parts replaced. Now let's go to the grab bag. We're just going to talk about all kinds of stuff that we have to talk about. First of all, the Chicago Bears had already fired Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, so it was time to replace them, right? So who do they hire? Another Ryan and another Matt. Ryan Poles is now the new general manager for the Chicago Bears. He did interview with the Minnesota Vikings and the New York Giants, but the Bears grabbed him. He played for the Bears as an offensive lineman. He was undrafted out of Boston College, didn't last very long, and then moved on and went into the admin role, went into the brass instead of playing in the brass. He did win a Super Bowl ring with the Chiefs two years ago as part of their staff. He joined the Chiefs when he was 24 years old. Now he's 36. So he spent eight years behind Andy Reid and a lot of great coaches and players watching them play the game, get to the playoffs. Again, this is their fourth straight AFC championship game. And if they win third straight Super Bowl, he was part of all of them. And if they win the Super Bowl, he's going to get a second ring because he was just with the team this entire time. I mean, he's coming from a great organization at the moment. Have they always been good? No, no, not at all. But they got a great coach. They put some great players in position to be great players. And I believe the ownership had a lot to do with that. The management had a lot to do with that. And that includes Ryan Poles. Hoping the man can do the same thing at the Chicago Bears in the leadoff spot. He's never been the lead guy, never made the executive decisions himself. If he can do it, awesome. We got a young guy that could be with the Chicago Bears 20, 25 years and make this team run on all cylinders. Awesome. But he's also young and he's never been in that leadoff spot. So what if he drops the ball? I'm going to go with option A because I want to see the Bears do good things. But we have to be realistic and understand that option B could happen. Matt, not Nagy, but Eberflus, Eberflus, we're going to go Eberflus. Matt Eberflus, the former Colts defensive coordinator from 2018 to 2021. It's awesome that he has experience being a defensive coordinator because the Bears for the last gazillion years have been a defensive team, never really an offensive team, when our best quarterback is Sid Luckman from 1967, when quarterbacks weren't even really quarterbacks, they handed off the ball to a running back. So, never really had a quarterback with Chicago Bears, so why not have a defensive coordinator as our head coach? Makes sense, actually. I'm not even being sarcastic. It kind of does make sense. However, in the last four years with the Colts, what has he done? 2018, they go 10-6, and six, win a wild card game against the Houston Texans, 21-7. Okay, Houston Texans weren't even really that good that year. Not really. I mean, they got into the playoffs, still weren't that good. Then they lose the divisional round 31-13 to the Kansas City Chiefs. 
Mind you, on that team was Andrew Luck, the comeback player of the year, and defensive rookie of the year, Darius Leonard, who has now been on the All-Pro team all four years of his career, including three times on the first team. So you have a beast on your defense, and they had some other beastly defensive players, and you had one of the best quarterbacks in the league at the time before he retired. You still go 10-6. and six. Yeah. 2019, 7-9, missed the playoffs. 2020, they go 11-5, lose the wild card game to the Buffalo Bills. 2021, they go 9-8, that's this year by the way, and they choked in the last week of the season against the Jacksonville Jaguars, who were awful. They win the game, they're in the playoffs. Instead, they choke, Jacksonville wins, they're not in the playoffs. Why couldn't the defense stop the Jacksonville Jaguars? Is it because of the defensive coordinator? I don't know. Don't know if I want to find that out as him being the Chicago Bears head coach. I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer, but I'm looking at the stats. I'm looking at things that have happened. I don't know if he's going to do it. I bet he's there for two years. Does not get to the playoffs. Gets booted. I can see it happening. Crazy thing about the first round of the playoffs was watching Ben Roethlisberger, Big Ben's last game. We knew he was going to retire It's crazy, right? I mean, he's been in the league since 2004. 2004, when he started, was my freshman year of college. I have been watching this dude for 18 seasons play football. And he came from Miami University in Ohio, which Kevin Klum, News Tribune sports editor, who was my boss for eight years, went to the same school and interviewed him. So I've heard stories about Big Ben going on 13, 14 years now. And I watched him, and he was amazing. Two Super Bowl wins. He was the Offensive Rookie of the Year. Six-time Pro Bowler. And twice in his career, he led the league in passing yards. And let's not forget who was also in the league during this time. Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Kurt Warner, Drew Brees, just to name a few. Matt Ryan, of these guys that build up crazy amount of yards every single season. Phillip Rivers, Big Ben beat him twice. NFL records that he still holds right now. The most 500-yard passing games with four. This man passed over 500 yards in a game four times. That's insane. Perfect passing rating for a game four times. He had four games That he was perfect. Pretend you're in a bowling alley and you're trying to get that 300 game. He did it four times. With 6'8", 365-pound guys made out of muscle running at him, trying to tackle him as he's throwing the ball, running away from them, and being perfect. Imagine that. So big shout out to Big Ben. It has been amazing watching him play the game. It's going to be weird watching the Steelers team. I am not a Steelers fan. Actually, They're probably in the bottom five of teams that I like in the NFL. Not going to lie, just not a huge fan. But Big Ben was a great quarterback. He did a lot of good things that people are not going to be able to do after him. So we'll see what happens with Pittsburgh. Maybe Mike Tomlin steps down as a head coach. He's like, I don't got Big Ben anymore. What am I going to do? I could honestly see that happening. What I would like to see happen is the Chicago Bulls get healthy. Lonzo Ball out six to eight weeks. Gotta have knee surgery. I think he just had a scope on his knee today. Alex Caruso, 
out six to eight weeks with a broken wrist, just had surgery a couple days ago. First of all, Grayson Allen from the Milwaukee Bucks should be booted out of the league. Maybe not booted out of the league, but a one-game suspension? You literally made Alex Caruso go horizontal in the middle of the air and then threw him down on the floor. Broke his wrist. He gets a one-game suspension? That's ridiculous. Should have got fined super hard and out at least a week. Could have hurt this man for good. And maybe he did. You know, your wrist is very important as a basketball player. You're dribbling, you're stealing balls, you're shooting. You need your wrist for that. This dude could have injured, ended, not just injured, he did injure him. Could have ended his career. He gets one game? Ridiculous. But please, we need the Chicago Bulls healthy because we do have a great team. Zach Levine's back, that's awesome. Then DeMar DeRozan's out for a game. But then he comes back, that's awesome. But we don't have Patrick Williams, we don't have Lonzo Ball, we don't have Alex Caruso. Missing crucial pieces. Derek Jones, missing crucial pieces we need for the Chicago Bulls to be successful. And right now, that's the best ticket in town. Well, until the White Sox start playing. Gotta get back to local. Chase Saxton, our dude from the Moyle, AMA Supercross, been riding for his entire life. January 29th, San Diego, race three of the season, and he wins his first 450 race ever. He led 23 of the 26 laps in his Honda, number 23 jersey, riding high. Congrats to Chase. He is a friend of Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Been on a while ago. Tried to get him on, but this dude's schedule might be busier than mine. He is always either at a gym, at a shop, on a course with his bike. This dude is busy. But congrats to Chase Sexton. That is amazing. He is now second in the season standings with 58 points, but he only trails Eli Tomac by one point as Eli's got 59. Race four is Saturday, January 29th in Anaheim, California. I know I'm going to be watching. Hopefully you're watching. Let's cheer on Chase. This person might not even need cheering on. Iowa sophomore women's basketball player Caitlin Clark is tearing it up. We're going to go, we're going to work backwards. We're going to start with January 26th and work backwards. January 26th, in a 107 to 79 blowout win over Penn State, breaks the Big Ten assist record for in a game with 17. She dished off 17 times for her players. And they made it. I mean, she could have dished off 29, but they only made it where it counted for 17. 17 assists in a game. First time ever in women's basketball. Her 17, it took the Iowa mark set by Kathleen Doyle, who had 15 in 2020. And then for the Big Ten record, Illinois' Maggie Acuna had 15 assists in 2006. So Caitlin Clark snags those records. But the crazy one, and why she was already on the Edge of Your Seat podcast radar, January 20th, she has 30 points, 10 rebounds, and 10 assists against Nebraska. Four days later, 35 points, 13 rebounds, and 11 assists against Minnesota, becoming the first woman, oh, 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 let me take that back, I'm going to take that one back, the first player in men's or women's Division I college basketball to have 30-point triple-doubles in back-to-back games. 
We're not done there. Only six players in the NBA, WNBA, or college basketball have done this feat. Let's hear the names. Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Luka Doncic, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Then, there's Caitlin Clark. Crazy awesomeness. She is a sophomore at Iowa. A sophomore. 35, 13, and 11. 30, 10, and 10. And then two days after she does that, 17 assists in a game. And she also had 20 points in that game as well. Crazy awesome basketball player. I'm going to make sure I catch some Iowa hoops. Don't want to end this episode 212. And you know what? I haven't even mentioned this. I'm your host, Brandon LaChance. Didn't even say my name yet because all this other stuff is way more important. Thank you for listening, paying attention, following Edge of Your Seat podcast. Definitely much appreciation. Don't like ending these shows on a bad note, a sour note, a sad note. But you know, life happens. We're here, then we're gone. And unfortunately, you know, it's been a little quicker lately. But some people, some celebrities, some names you'll know have have passed away recently in the last week, last month, last five, six months that we wanted to mention. First of all, Meatloaf. Wow. Definitely, (sighs) he was against COVID, didn't think it was a thing, didn't get vaccinated, didn't wear masks, and was very out there about it. Said, hey, I'm going to be me. I'm going to hug people. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm not going to get vaccinated. Well, then he got COVID and then he passed away. I hate to say that. I I hate it, but I mean, he kind of sealed his fate. And that's just a a mention for the people out there that are not vaccinated. I'm not getting into it either way. It's your choice, your decision. But uh, saw some stats. There are 5,019 patients in Illinois hospitals right now, this day, January 27th, for COVID-19. 90% of new hospital admissions are unvaccinated. Just saying. But Meatloaf's music will always live on. Crazy, crazy, awesome musician. My favorite is Bad Outta Hell. Love that song. It's long. It's groovy. I can listen to that all day long. Rest in peace. Louis Anderson also passed away. Comedian. Had the Life with Louis show. I will always remember him as the guy that worked at, wasn't McDonald's, but sort of McDonald's on Coming to America with Eddie Murphy, Arsenio Hall. I will always remember him as that McDonald's guy. I don't know why, but that's just how I remembered him. But he was pretty funny, had a long, long, long career. Rest in peace to Louie. Young Dolph, he was murdered about two months ago. Hadn't mentioned him. He popped up on my Spotify yesterday. Not my favorite artist, not even really my my jam anymore. Like that, you know, hit it in the club, we're grinding all day stuff. I, I mean, I listen to it, but just not as much as I used to. And he was definitely a big thing in Memphis, in that area. So rest in peace to him, for sure. I'll probably make it a mission to listen to some more of his music, to get more of his vibe. And then Peter Robbins was the original voice of Charlie Brown, Passed at the age of 65. Charlie Brown, Peanuts, Snoopy. One of my favorites growing up. Who doesn't love the Charlie Brown Christmas special with the little tree that has nothing on it? You got Linus, 
bringing a blanket around. Charlie Brown couldn't talk to women, couldn't play football, couldn't throw a baseball, but he was still a stud. He was the man. Big shout out to Peter Robbins for giving that character that we all fell in love with a voice. Well, my voice is about gone. Been talking for a while. Got a little bit of editing to do. We're going to listen to Brady tell his story, his adventure, his battle. This dude is fighting every single day to stay positive, to stay alive, to stay loving the things that he loves, and to have those memories. Brady is a true role model to me and hopefully to anybody that hears this because, man, this kid has got fight and he's not scared. He's not scared. He's just going to fight. Let's get to him. Let's hear his story. Until next time. Peace. Man, I can't believe October is already over. Football, high school style is in playoffs. Man, things are just moving right along. And speaking of moving right along, we have an amazing guest here today, Edge of Your Seat Podcast, 18 years old, going through something really, really crazy, real rare in United States, the world. We have Brady. Man. I am really happy to have you on the show. Brady, how are you today? I'm doing good. It's very nice to be here. For sure. I kind of just want to jump right into this, get this out of the way, and then we can talk about all the crazy awesomeness that you're doing. But first, Riley Day Syndrome, autonomic dysfunction. Try not to butcher these things. I am not a doctor and can't say medical jargon. But were you born with this? Um, from what I know, yeah. I think it just more spiraled out of control as years went by. So what exactly is this? Your sort of nervous system is kind of, to put it in the way, it's shutting down. You start not feeling things that you used to anymore, such as you can, you slowly start not like, from your fingertips, you start not to feel, like, certain touches and temperatures and just things that you could but just can't anymore. How weird just, or difficult is it for you dealing with this? It's like losing something that you always had there. Like, it's sort of a sinking feeling that you're losing what has always been there, and it's just... It's just not good. To put it simply, it's just, you don't feel right. You had something, like you've had something all your life. You have the feeling of being able to feel temperatures or just being able to fully like feel the fur on your dog when you pet them. It's just, it slowly goes away. You're not able to enjoy such things that you were able to at one point. Okay, so it's pretty much everything to deal with nerves in your body, feelings, kind of your senses, and things of that nature. Something like my heart also, it affects my heart in certain ways, but not to the biggest extent of what, like, like feelings do. Gotcha. How does it affect your heart exactly? My heart rate doesn't control itself all the time, so... It could be very much up at times. I'm sorry to jump right into this, but I am just amazed of, you know, hearing about you, your story, and things of this nature, and you speak very well. You're able to live, 
you know the most normalist life that you can with this Riley Day syndrome, which I believe is um, speaking to your mother Janelle. One out of six hundred and fifty people that have this. Uh, that's correct. That is amazing to me for you to be able to you know live as normal as a life and to be you know, a productive member of society while battling this. So that's why I wanted to have you on here and why I jumped immediately into that just to give, you know, the listeners kind of a, you know, a, a portion of what you're going through. Under, understandable. For sure. And I hear that you have a pretty cool personality and you joke around and, and things like that. So you got to have those kind of guests on, right? Yeah, I, tr- I try to be funny and just have a good personality does trying to smile and be funny and have that kind of personality does that help you get through your days and you know battling this syndrome for the most part sometimes it's just a lot to take in so you just just have to wind down sometimes too other than just being the the jokester all the time but being the jokester is cool too, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> For sure. What are some other things that you do or try to do to, you know, lessen the, the stress or, you know, try to distract yourself from, you know, your everyday pains and struggles of going through this? Two days a week, there are online video games that you can talk to people with. And I have some friends that are very kind that help me just take things away that they just make me laugh and have a fun time and it's very much enjoyable i always hear this like if you're going through something or you know a life-threatening illness or disease or something like that those little things that a lot of people you know overlook or don't really react to the same way those become huge because you never know when those are going to go away is this kind of true with kind of what you're going through as well kind of it's just the feeling of, again, losing something that's always been there. Gotcha. And do you lose it and then it comes back and then you lose it again? Is that how it works with the feeling? I'll say it's not all the way gone, but, like, slowly but surely, I'm getting less feeling in my fingertips or in certain parts of my body that at one point were there. Is there any... Uh, chances or possibilities of this picking up another level or you know losing something else besides you know touch or what are like the you know max conditions from this syndrome i I can't give a definite answer on that okay is it life-threatening yes is it a hundred percent life-threatening is this going to eventually you know take over everything or how does that work this will take over my life at one point in the future. From what I understand, you've already lived longer than they thought you were going to. Yes. Is it because you're a warrior? I try to be. Are you a ninja warrior? <laughs> nah. I'm not <laughs> sneaky. Not sneaky? Nah. No stealth-like moves? None. So when did the doctors and medical professionals think, you know, your your time was going to be up, that you were going to pass away? Uh, around the age of 15. They said that I would not make it past 15. And how old are you now? 18. And you graduated school? 
from LaSalle, Peru. Yep. You were supposed to graduate 2021. You did, but just a little bit early in January. Uh, a whole semester early. There you go. There you go. And then you're in college now, correct? Yes, with uh, a semester under my belt already. What college are you going to? Uh, IVCC. So they say you're going to pass away at 15. You get to high school. You graduate. You're in college. Semester under your belt at IVCC. So you're already proving them wrong at least a little bit. A little bit. How does that make you feel to be able to do these things when, according to them, you weren't even supposed to be here? Uh, to be honest, not much different. I'm just trying to live my life to how I want it to be, to what I want to be able to. Myself, I wasn't expecting to get past that age when I was told myself. But when I did, I'm like, okay, I'm going to, with what time I have, I will try to fulfill as much as I want to. It's just, I just want to live my life how I want to live my life. Not be restrained by any medical uh, restraints that have been put on me. What are some things that you want to do in life? I don't want to call it a bucket list, but goals, dreams of yours to do while you're here. Become someone that people can look up to. That can, that someone can say, I want to be like, I want to be like said person. But I still have a long way to go for that. And I just want to do that probably figure out more as time goes but time goes on but I think right now that's one of the biggest things well I am 18 years older than you I just turned 36 last Wednesday and I look up to you already because of what you're able to do with your life knowing that it could end any minute because of the syndrome and the way you're battling and things that you're doing that's really really impressive so I already look up to you man thank you so you got one person that already thinks that you're really cool and somebody to look up to. Thank you. Speaking of, I look up to you on the sports world, too, because was it in the spring, LaSalle, Peru, you got to run in a touchdown? Uh, the fall. So it was last fall? Yeah, 2019. Okay, 2019. And you scored a touchdown? Uh, yes. You got to tell me about this moment because I'm sure it was amazing for you. Uh, it was. Being able to do something that I'm with, like, under certain conditions, I wouldn't be able to. It was an amazing feeling. And just, I'm glad for everyone who was involved, who was able to get me, uh, or to let me do the touchdown. I remember seeing the video. Did they, they didn't really pause the game, but they brought you out and then let it happen in the middle of the game, right? Yeah. I know you had a huge cheering section behind you, too. Yeah, I did. Friends and family. Did it, like, make your hairs on your arms stick up and stuff like that, or were you just like, hey, this is amazing? More of a feeling of, hey, this is amazing. I did it. Sort of thing. Did you get to keep the football? No, but I did get a, get a helmet and a jersey to commemorate the touchdown. Awesome. Is it somewhere special in your house? Kind of. Like, it's more where all the big memories of things that I do are. I have the helmet 
with like past memories of schools and just and the jersey is hung up with many gifts from people that I love and know and it's like it's right next to my LP graduation uh, uh, robe so it's next to all the awesomeness because it's awesome as well yes there you go so you just got like a whole room of awesome yeah kind of <laughs> Oh, so you just got a whole house of awesome? You can say that. <laughs> That's what we like to hear. Good stuff. You know, most awesome stuff that you can have, you might as well have, right? Yeah. Besides scoring that touchdown, are you a sports fan outside of that? Kind of. I don't really actively watch sports, but whenever there's anything important with LP going on, I do watch so you'll be a LP fan from day one to day over. Yes. That is awesome. I like LP as well. I don't know about the colors, though. Green and red, Christmas colors. <laughs> yeah. Do you like them? I like what they're doing now with more of the sort of like, a, like the darker jerseys, I guess, like the grayer ones. I think that's what they were, if I remember correctly. They yeah. still have the blue and green, but like... I like how they're, like, the whole jersey is actually becoming sort of like a grayer color. It is awesome until you're in the booth and you're trying to call a game and see the numbers because the dark green on the gray, the dark gray, is very hard to see in the dark. That is also true. But they do look really sharp. They are awesome jerseys. They are. So is... Is that the jersey you have, or what color jersey do you have? Uh, I have, yeah, I have one of the grayer ones with the, the numbers, like how they are kind of now. Okay, and what's your number on the jersey? Uh, 40. Did you pick that number? I did. Why 40? I don't know. I just felt like 40 would be a good number. And some people pick numbers because of their birthday or because of a, you know, role model that's an athlete you're like hey i like the number 40 this is what i'm going with yeah that's awesome week eight of this season lasalle peru hosted morris and you were at the game i saw you you know around the the tunnel where they run out with the cheerleaders and everything like that you were right there were you there just for support or what were you there for my friend um i was there to sort of like give them a little cheer like, sort of just fist bump them to give them, I guess, a little bit of, give them more upbeat for the for the game. Is it cool for you to be around the team and be part of that, you know, environment, that situation? It is. I find it very nice. And how do the players and the coaches and everybody act towards you? I feel like there's sort of a mutual respect, just a mutual liking for each other. I respect how they're able to go on and do this and I think this is just coming from me I think they respect how I'm able to sort of I guess truck on with what's going on and also be able to help them or just be there that's awesome before you graduated were you you know cool with the athletes and you know talk to them inside school and things of that nature it was more usually an outside talk more focused in on school sort of when I was in school when you were uh, at the game against Morris, were you fist pumping, high fives, cheering them on? 
Yeah, when I was at the tunnel, I gave them like a little fist bump when they were going in. So it's like you're like part of the team. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, at least I think you are. So besides just being on Edge of Your Seat podcast, you and your story are kind of becoming famous. I mean, you're getting looked at by all kinds of different media outlets, and I'm talking about some some big boys here in terms of uh, People Magazine, New York Times, Good Morning Today. You did this interview with the Associated Press, and it could go to all these different outlets. What do you think about all this? Not too sure just yet. Sort of a weird feeling, I guess. And then at this time, none of them have officially happened, but they could. Is that how it works? Uh, People picked it up, but I'm not too sure what the other's decision will be. Have you seen a copy of this People magazine or a copy of the story or anything going on with them so far? Personally, I haven't. But they did contact you and your mother and were like, hey, uh, we are going to do this. This is what we're doing. Yeah. I know you said it was kind of weird, but cool. I mean, if People Magazine was going to do a story on me, I'd be kind of excited. A weird feeling to see that it's actually, like, my story is going through outlets. It's kind of one of those things, like, if you were seeing it about somebody else, you would be like, oh, that's kind of cool. But then it's you, and you're like, man, that's me. That's my story. Is that kind of how you're feeling? Yeah, that's how I'm feeling about it. Did you have an issue doing with that interview, or even this interview, or was it something that you want to do to get your story out? Um, getting smart. People want to hear my story about such things. I think just, I think it's fine. I think if people want to hear it, I guess let them hear it. It's where I'm coming from. Before we get to the game, we have a guest, every guest, on Edge of Your Seat Podcast, play guest. We're going to play some Hot Potato. Before we get to Hot Potato, is there any part of your story that you want to get out that maybe I haven't touched on a certain detail or, you know, a story, something about your journey so far that, you know, kind of sticks out with you that you want to, you know, let everybody know about? It's been a journey, and I think as long as you don't give up, you try to push along, you'll be fine. Well said, my friend. Well said. Are you ready to play a game of hot potato then? Yes. Let's do this. Let's do this. So I'm going to give you two things. Uh, people, places, things, whatever. And you pick which one you like the best, okay? All right. We're going to start off easy. We're getting into the holiday season. Halloween's right here, then of course Thanksgiving, then of course Christmas, and then it just goes snowballs from there. So we'll start. Halloween or Thanksgiving? Uh, Thanksgiving. Halloween or Christmas? Uh, Halloween. Halloween? Oh, we already did Halloween or Thanksgiving. So Thanksgiving's your favorite? Uh, yeah. Do you like Thanksgiving better than Christmas? Kind of. <laughs> you gotta like eating food. Yeah. Me too. Me too. I mean, since we're on Thanksgiving, mashed potatoes or stuffing? Mashed potatoes. Turkey or ham? Uh, turkey. Green bean casserole or corn? Corn. Good pick. Green bean casserole is disgusting. Do you agree or no? I do. 
<laughs> perfect, perfect. Football or basketball? I'd like football. Let's go LP colors. Green or red? That's a very good question. I'd have to say green. Okay, okay. Apple juice or orange juice? Apple juice. Favorite subject in class, math or science? Oh, gosh. Probably math. Do you like both of those or do not like those two subjects? I like math as a as like a subject, and I've had good teachers too. I've liked math all my all my life. Good stuff. Do you like math or English? Uh, math. Last but not least, I mean Halloween is just a couple days away. Candy, Snickers or Butterfinger? Snickers. M and M's or Skittles? Skittles. My favorite of all time. Reese's peanut butter cups or we'll cheat and throw in Oreo cookies. Mm, Oreos. Well, Brady, I really appreciate you joining Edge of Your Seat Podcast to share your story. Man, you are, in my mind, you're a ninja warrior fighting this Riley Day syndrome, which is a autonomic dysfunction and you're smiling, you're happy, you're trying to be as optimistic. Man, like I said earlier, I look up to you. You're brave, very courageous 18-year-old. Thank you for joining Edge of Your Seat Podcast. It was a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. And it was nice talking to you.